Parker was pitiful Couldn't have been any shyer Mary Jane still wouldn't notice him Even if his hair was on fire Welcome to the Midwest Filmmates Podcast. I'm Alex. I'm Nick. I am Tim. I'm Willie. Today we're going to talk about what we've been watching, and then we're going to continue keyframes with Tim's pick of Sam Raimi's Spider-Man 2. But before we get to all that, feedback at MidwestFilmmates.com is you can write to us, let us know what you, things, let us know what you think about the things that we talk about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, at Podcast on Instagram and Twitter. Search for Midwest Filmmates on Facebook, Vine, and all that good stuff. MidwestFilmNews.com has all previous 196 plus bonus episodes with full show notes, so you can skip over the spoilerary and other things that you don't want to hear. And there's also a support store where you can buy merchandise and donate to the network if you so please. A little bit of housekeeping. We would like to talk to you, the listeners, as part of our episode 200. So if you would like to partake in that, please let me know. Um... So far, I've heard from two people, so that's good. But I'm also going to make some kind of post on the Facebook in case people don't, people who don't regularly listen but would still like to partake. And I'm also going to email something out as well. But we're going to try and pick a day. I'm not going to say which day right now because we haven't totally confirmed it yet. But uh, we're going to pick a day where we can sit down in front of some computers and talk to you guys via Skype. And uh, I'll send you a bunch of questions and things that we might want to talk about with you. And uh, then I'll edit it all together and put it into episode 200. So, with all that aside, I think we can get into what we've been watching. So, Nick. Yes, sir. What have you been watching? A whole bunch. I uh, just spent many hours on several planes in the last couple of days. And I got to watch the program, which I mentioned before. It is the Lance Armstrong. I almost said Lance Henriksen. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it is the Lance Armstrong movie starring Ben Foster and uh, Chris O'Dowd and was Lee, that Lee on, Pace. It is on Amazon Prime. Was that streaming. on your most anticipated or was uh, it on Tim's or was it on I don't both? think it was on anybody's most anticipated. I think it was an honorable mention then. It, well, I think somebody did say it yeah. as an honorable mention. I don't know. That was in 2014, I think. That it I don't think out. so. I think it was this year. It wasn't 2016. Is there another uh, Lance Henriksen movie coming out? Lance Armstrong? I don't know. You I'll do this be, You research. might be thinking of, uh, of Warcraft, which also has been fostered. <laughs> <laughs> the other uh, uh, Lance Armstrong. It's in Lance Hendrickson. God damn it. Uh, Man, Ben Foster, hard, he it's works. Hard to say. It's 2015. Uh, Is it's that hard. the one with Lee Pace? Yes. It's hard to, <laughs> to say Lance and not think of either our Lance or Lance Hendrickson. <laughs> anyway, uh, it was really interesting. I, I, this, is this came out March 18th, 2016. It is from 2015, sir. Maybe in the United States it came out. In yeah, IMDb. That's a That's five, Alex, not a six. This right here? <laughs> yeah, but the release date here. That's why it was on our most anticipated. Oh, thing. I'm like, the movie came out in 2015. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Anyway. Um, so it was, Today it was good. Today useless arguments. It's pretty rare. Yeah, it's like, uh, it's like uh, Pain and Gain all over again. <laughs> where I'm clearly right and Alex is wrong. Um the whole time I was watching it, was, I kept thinking, like, man, Danny, if Danny Boyle had directed this, it would be so sweet. For some reason, it just, like, really seemed like a story he would be interested in telling. But it was pretty good. Uh, it is directed by somebody, uh, semi-noteworthy, but I forgot who already. is maybe Stephen <laughs> Frears. Um, yep. 
But everybody in it is really good, and it's really interesting because Ben Foster, again, like I said on the Hell or High Water episode, uh, he's one of those guys that I'm always kind of like, eh. and then he, he's in, he always just crushes whatever he's in. He's really good. And they, they give him a little bit of just really subtle prosthetics, and he looks a lot like Lance Armstrong. It's really, it's really cool. Just these little little tiny things like his jawline and his, his chin and his nose. Uh, Chris O'Dowd is really good in it, and it's funny because seeing him in something that's pretty much straight drama is really interesting because I just always think of the IT crowd. Yeah. And he's really awesome in it. And the uh, it's really hard to... I don't know that much about Lance Armstrong other than what pretty much everybody else kind of blanket knows about him. But the movie paints him in a really, really unsympathetic light. Like, he's pretty much just a villain in most of the movie, and that's really interesting. And I, it made me want to read more and find out exactly what the whole situation was with him uh, in terms of, like, convincing his team to start doping and all that kind of stuff and starting the uh, Live Strong Foundation partially as kind of a front and a PR move to keep the heat off of him. It's pretty interesting. So the m- movie's based on a book written by the, car- the uh, man that Chris O'Dowd plays, and I'm kind of curious to read a little bit more, not the book, I don't really have time for that, but just a little bit more research about the actual events. Because it's kind of interesting, Lance Armstrong is one of those guys that, you know, if you remember around the time he was winning all the time, he was like this, he was a national hero. Yeah. And so now, we're looking, watching this movie now and looking back on these events, you're kind of like, oh, how, can, can we be that naive anymore? You know what I mean? <laughs> like those kind of heroes don't really seem to exist. So it's, it's really interesting. Uh, and then I also started watching The Wire. As I mentioned to you earlier, I have never watched The Wire before. I actually don't know any spoilers for it. I don't know any deaths. I don't know how it ends. I don't know who else pops up in it as far as maybe if there's other actors that pop up later in the series. I really don't know. And that's really exciting because I know everybody pretty much heralds it as the best, probably the best television drama ever made. So I'm really excited that I'm finally watching it and I'm about I think only six episodes into the first season although they're pretty short do seasons, they right? have the, yeah. yeah they're ten episodes a piece each okay. season uh, are you watching the HD is in 16.9 I guess is my yes. question okay so you're watching the HD like re-releases yes on Amazon Prime okay so you have blu-rays or dvds i have dvds and are they four I, by three they're four by they're Did all they come out with a blu-ray set? i couldn't handle there it. is now a blu-ray set okay. since they've done the hd re-releases so the blu-rays are 16.9 yes okay yeah it's really it's really good it's really good i can i i wonder it's five seasons right yep i'm so curious about where it goes i'm i feel it feels so early in the life of it and yet i feel like already because there are so many characters and there's so much going on, even only six episodes, and you feel like you've been watching it for like two years. It's really, it's really awesome. You've, you've watched it all, right? Yes. Yeah. I'm interested to talk to you after you've broken into another season. Okay. I am too. <laughs> like, I really just want to keep watching it. It's really great stuff. I think I watched something else, but I don't remember. I'm like stuck in season four. Season and four. I'm not, right. not going to say anything about yeah. it because I don't, I don't you, as you said, you don't really know much about any of it so i don't no. I'd like it and i don't need it's not even really a spoiler necessarily but i just don't want to well it's funny because as far as i know the the plot the the main conflict of season one feels like it can't go on longer than a season so that's why i'm curious to see where where it goes and who it follows and that kind of thing because I, I know i know it's these five seasons i know everybody was just always over the moon for it so I'm really, you know clay uh, williams says she she it what season is that in 
I was waiting for that already, and it didn't happen. Is he three? I don't. I think he. I think that doesn't specific. He's in season one somewhere. I yeah. think. But he's just kind of like, oh, I don't hey. think I've met him yet. Who's who does he play, or who's who plays him? That's what I meant. He. I don't. I, I, I don't know. I can't even remember. I don't think he's but. in season one, or at least not yet. But I'm still pretty early, comparatively. Maybe he's snuck into a scene or two, and I just haven't made the connection yet. Because the funny thing about that show is a lot of characters don't. Their names are never said. Yeah. You wouldn't know. I was watching them with subtitles on for the most part because like, I was on a plane. And so because I had that, I knew some of these people's <laughs> names. But I was like, man, I don't think they've said this guy's name for three or four episodes. I started really liking the show around this episode six because I was finally understanding which character was which. Right, <laughs> right. For the yeah. longest time, I'm like, who's that There's guy? There's so many. <laughs> you're, one, you're one episode away from meeting Clay Davis. Oh, awesome. It's Clay Davis, not Clay Williams. I uh, yeah, I mean, after at the end of the pilot, I was like, wow, they just introduced like 25 characters, and I want to know about all of them. It was really cool. I didn't know Michael B. Jordan was in it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. every everybody as he, as he Everybody's used. in it. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> There's a lot of people in it. It's really good. And it made me, again, uh, I thought about uh, Dominic, uh, Dominic West. West. And he's another one of those ones we were talking about, like Michael B. and other people. I was like, man, he's, he's got... He's got what it takes. On the cusp of glory. Yes. And yet he's in like Punisher Warzone. <laughs> oh, he's good at Punisher uh, Warzone. No. <laughs> I mean, he's, he's good because he's so bad. Yeah. One of the greats. It's amazing. One of the greats. We'll be talking more about the Punisher later. Yes, it's true. <laughs> Little tease there. Yeah, Dominic West, I think, uh, kind of rules the TV area. Well, he's in The Mentalist, right? No, he's on no, The Simon Affair. West. Oh, Simon West. My yeah. bad. He's on The Affair, which is a Showtime series that I've heard really, really good things about, but haven't watched any of. Yeah, with so more I, feel, I feel like he gets the the premium cable channel TV. That's his like realm. Gotcha. And then Simon West gets the network. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> there can't be too many Wests. <laughs> yeah. You Are these guys brothers? No. They're sons of Adam. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, technically, aren't we all? <laughs> yeah, yeah, probably. Uh, but Dominic West is great and John Carter. They should team we, up uh, in a yeah, remake of Wild Wild West. <laughs> Simon West and Dominic West. With Diane Weist? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, I boy. spit out the microphone. <laughs> well, anyway. How can you follow that? Yeah. <laughs> in the episode right yeah. now. Right now. Alex Y. Go watch. A Diane Weist movie. Yep. Uh, as we did last week. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. So, you, you're enjoying The Wire. Yeah. Yeah. I'm actually scared of how much I like it right now because I just want to... That's all I want to do is keep watching it. And and I I want to... After my experience with Stranger Things and actually parsing something out a little bit, I kind of want to keep doing that. Yeah. I haven't talked to people to find out what their favorite season of The Wire is. Mm. Um, four. Four? I, you like four the most? Okay. Yeah. I, I think I have this really, really strange relationship with The Wire where I will start a season and then put it down for two years and then come <laughs> back to it two years later. Do you, do you, you pick really up where you left off second. or do you start over? I usually like go back two episodes and then I'm like, I kind of remember that. And then I read the Wikipedia article and then I continue <laughs> going pretty much. It's a really weird. Re- and I really like it all. But it's just, I don't know. See, season four is some of the stuff that's going on. I'm just kind of like, I don't know. How much that's I exciting news because I think season one is phenomenal so yeah. far. See, I... Hmm. I think there's only one that there's only one season where I, five is the one where I it's the closest I come to disliking the show at times. Yeah, you oh nobody's got there. So who am I? Th- no, I'm yeah, not talking to anybody who's seen it. Okay, never mind. How do you listeners feel one about through, this? What Tim's saying? <laughs> one through four. There are people. I'm excited for you to watch two because there are people. Two is generally considered like 
the worst of the seasons, I think. And oh, I think really? it's I think two is fascinating where it goes. So I'm really excited. I was I'm pretty sure say, Lance has seen it all. I, I, not I think, Lance Henriksen. I think I like um, Well, you've never seen it, right? <laughs> I watched the first two episodes. Okay. <laughs> I just want to make sure you're just I'm not ready for that. I think I like <laughs> seasons one and three. Okay. More so than I like two mm-hmm. and what I've seen of four. But anyway. Yeah, two and four are kind of the odd ducks, too. Yeah. Yeah. All right. We'll see how it holds up against the exciting new Dark Tower TV series. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, Tim. Yeah. What have you been watching? Not, I mean, I'm uh, not much. Uh, Spider-Man 2. I did watch the first episodes of episode, not episodes of Stranger Things, and I liked it. Uh, the first good. episode? Yeah. Uh, I'm going to have to keep watching. Yeah, um, you do. My parents finished Stranger Things in one day. Really? Yeah. I did too. I was... I, well, like I would expect that of you. I don't expect that of my parents. It was just kind of like, wow. Uh, uh, do they both like it? Uh, my dad probably slept through I most of say, it. I was gonna say, I bet your mom would really dig it. My mom loved it. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. So, I texted Willie. I'm like the guy and the girl, Stephen, mm. and yep. his girlfriend. Mm-hmm. Like they look exactly the same, except <laughs> 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 one of them's wearing makeup, <laughs> <laughs> and it's not the girlfriend. No. Right. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, no, it's great. It just it kind of weirded me out. Um, I watched. I'm going through here. Ringu, the uh, <laughs> the the saga is, continues. But this is not Ringu, the 1998 Japanese. This is the TV movie made in 1995. I watched it. It's just straight up. It's like a Cinemax, like a Skinemax movie. Yeah. Like it. Like like there are parts in it where I'm like, whoa. <laughs> Didn't expect that to be coming. That's it, good. It was kind of, it was all right. Um, I watched The Captains again. I've talked about The Captains many times on yes. this program. Uh, I, I still want to watch it. I never have. I, I own it. Didn't uh, I buy you a copy of that? You bought me a copy of it. I've watched it so many times. Was and that was that in honor of the 50th, 50th anniversary of Star Trek? Yeah, we were sitting around and Amy's like, I want to watch The Captains because I never shut up about okay. it. Because Avery Brooks is in it. Yeah. And we've talked about Avery Brooks <laughs> many times on there. And he's insane. And it like each time, like I'm, <laughs> Like I'm taken aback just by how fucking crazy this guy is. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I gotta tell the story one more time. He go, William Shatner is like, what What do you think? Like I've been thinking a lot. I'm getting older. And what do you think happens after you die? Like life after death. You think there's life after death? And Avery Brooks just laughs at him and starts <laughs> playing the piano again. <laughs> <laughs> it's the best. Uh, Maybe that's what happens when you die. You just meet Avery Brooks. Avery Brooks laughs at you and then starts playing the piano. <laughs> yeah. Maybe he knows the truth. Well, he, he, just well he told William Shatner early in the interview, he's like, God talks through me. Uh-huh. And Maybe he just doesn't think Bill can handle the news of what happens when you yeah. die. Maybe he's like, William's not ready. <laughs> it's possible. It is. I mean, we should. there should be a documentary just on Avery Brooks, but I don't think anybody wants to get close enough to him to... <laughs> They want to spend a year or two following him. <laughs> <laughs> could he? Could he successfully like hold down a show like I'm with Busey? This is what I thought of when you say that. Um, <laughs> really? God, I think so. The problem is like Busey's. Busey's more of a household name. Um, I don't know where you market the to the Avery yeah. Brooks. Like, uh, there's just not a. There's a fan base of Deep Space Nine. I just don't know. They just got to put it out as a Netflix original. People will watch it. People, it'll find its crowd. <laughs> Yeah, I think it'll catch on. I think people will um, word of mouth. Will yeah, just like, well, what's going on? <laughs> we better elect this guy president. <laughs> <laughs> um, I watched Blair Witch and Sixth Sense. 
both of which held up better than I thought they would. That's good. Um, I, Blair Witch, I didn't see the new one, and I want uh, Willie and I were gonna. We just didn't, didn't. have the time. Yeah. But um, I, it's it's funny because it's technically not a gr- uh, Blair Witch is a. It's fun to look back on, like in the context of its time, and um, I watched it as like and like I'm like this is just a giant apology for how shitty you are in your twenties. <laughs> like the whole movie plays like that, and um, I like I appreciate it on that level. It's not really scary hmm. anymore. Um, it scared me when I was first saw it when I was like fifteen. Like it, it freaked me out, but now it's just kind of. Would it have scared you more if you were watching it on a CRT television? Yes. Okay. Yes. I have the one that we got from uh, Willie's bachelor party weekend in the basement. If you want to hook up a VCR to that. Oh, that's right. We can turn the light on in the kill room and all the <laughs> other lights off. That's why I will watch all movies. Okay. I'll stand yeah. in the corner, <laughs> <laughs> facing the wall. Um, you should really watch uh, the Blair Thumb. The thumb <laughs> thumb filmette that uh, Gojo's such a fan of. Oh, we've talked I? about these in the mm-hmm. past. Okay, Thumbtanic and the Blair Thumb is so good. <laughs> it's why it's, do I think I, I I don't think I've seen it, but I know, I know you best. guys have talked about Blair it. Blair Thumb's yeah. a close second, in my opinion. <laughs> it's really funny. Um, that's it. All right. Yeah, Willie, what have you been watching? Did I talk about The Office at all? I recently think, uh, I don't know I think Nick did I mentioned it uh, a week or two ago yeah. okay I've been rewatching The Office yeah how's that going uh, where good, are you at good season four early on okay there are so, so many people rewatching The Office right now actually yeah. Idris Elba's casting The Office feels like a parody of him in The Wire kind mm. of like after I started watching <laughs> yeah. The Wire I was kind of like is this kind of a, a nod because he's still he wears his little spectacles and shit and he like keeps the books and stuff Stringer. like that yeah yeah and there, there's some shades of that and I was like oh man this is this that is makes me fun. wonder if there's any references to that in the office there there might be yeah. I'm not sure um it's good I I'm enjoying rewatching it I haven't watched it since it first aired um it's a really funny show and I'm wondering now watching it pretty much straight through a couple episodes a day at least like seeing where what if there is a point where i go i don't like this anymore um because for me it kind of faded in and out for a little while there for a few seasons so i don't know i don't know i might enjoy it more watching it straight through so it's an experiment we'll see but i'm really really having fun with it so far i think just when things start to get a little dull towards the end of season three they bring in a couple new characters and, and they freshen things up and i think they're always pretty good about doing that you know ellie kemper came in later and uh, the one guy from Silicon Valley. Um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I oh, don't remember. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. He's in tall, skinny, awesome dude. Yep. Yeah, he's he pops up and he kind of freshens things up. So, still my favorite is the Michael and Toby relationship. It's it's the, one of the greatest things that's ever been on television, um, or lack and, thereof. <laughs> oh, it's so beautiful. Um, I also watched the Blair Witch Project in the Sixth Sense. Zach Woods is the, is Zach the Woods. actor's name. Speaking of Woods. Oh, <laughs> um, so I also watched, but yeah, I also watched Blair Witch Project and Sixth Sense. Yeah, those are good. Yeah, held up, held pretty up pretty good. well. Why the Sixth Sense? Did you guys just? Oh, okay, all right. Reasons. Yep. <laughs> okay. Um, and oh, I haven't watched it yet, but I am about <laughs> to watch um, the Legend of Billie Jean. Which I'm very excited about. I haven't seen. What it in is years. that? This is an '80s, um, oh, an '80s teen drama, starring Helen Slater, uh, sister of Christian Slater, <laughs> and starring Christian Slater as her brother. She was Supergirl. Figure. She was Supergirl in the mm. original Supergirl TV movie, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. 
Oh, and Supergirl was a, it was like a movie. Was movie. it theatrical? Yeah. Okay. Um, it's like three hours long. Jesus. <laughs> I never actually seen it. Um, Don't. I won't. Um, <laughs> but anyway, so this, this basically what happened was I had Pat Benatar um, Pandora Radio on. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were doing a little three-hour road trip, and it's a wonderful station. You should all check it out. And Invincible came on by Pat Benatar. And it's actually the theme song to Legend of Billie Jean. <laughs> and the, but the basic idea of Legend of Billie Jean, I don't want to say too much, but um, it involves uh, like a scooter or a Vespa type thing that gets stolen by some bad kids. And Billie Jean's going to get the scooter back for her brother no matter what. And she starts a revolution to get that scooter back. And it's like girl power like all the way. It's really cool. You should watch it. <laughs> so I'm going to rewatch that. I haven't seen so it. So to years. be clear, there's no Michael Jackson involvement in this at all? There is no Michael Jackson involvement. Okay. There's Pat Benatar involvement. Though. All right. So a close second. Okay. But yeah, no, so I'm going to watch that. That's what I will be watching. Okay. Yeah. Good to know. Yeah. Uh, this past weekend, I uh, was up in Alaska, and one of my cousins really wanted to see uh, the new Ghostbusters, and I was playing at their equivalent of an Alamo draft house in Anchorage, and uh, that was a fun experience. It was good. That movie's great. I'm so sad that it like flopped completely. And I hope more people watch it because it's fantastic. Um, but then also while I was on the plane, I was watching. Uh, I took the that opportunity to start watching a TV show. And I watched about eight episodes of the show called Brain Dead, which is on CBS. Uh, it just aired this past season. And it stars Mary Elizabeth Winstead and uh, Tony Shalhoub, among other people. But Mary Elizabeth Winstead basically is the sister of a senator, and uh, she gets roped into being like one of his aides, basically. And uh, while she is working in Washington, D.C., she starts realizing that uh, people are getting crazy, and it turns out that it's because there are bugs from outer space eating their brains. And uh, it's a great show. There's a lot of like not thinly veiled at all political commentary and the whole thing. And I'm kind of really enjoying it. It's, it's all about the, I think the thesis of the show is that the, um, the extremism on either side of the political spectrum is a bad thing. And I think they're doing a good job of kind of portraying that and the, and the horrors of it. And not to mention that the beginning of each subsequent episode starts with a musical recap by one Jonathan Colton, who I love very much. And he does a fantastic job with that. And it's really cool. So it's all up on Amazon Prime. Uh, I think they all actually went up the day after they aired on Amazon Prime. So that's kind of a cool thing. That what station is on? CBS. That's a CBS show? It's a CBS wow. show. CBS has got that because they have Zoo too, right? Yeah. Oh, what's going on? They're doing there? some crazy <laughs> stuff. They're not just your grandma's TV network anymore. Right. I say go for it. Yeah. Now that two and a half men is I was going to say death to two and a half men. Let's go. Yeah. Once Big Bang Theory is done, we're all set. There you go. We get a fully renewed and revived CBS. Absolutely. <laughs> they finally... Killer animals and parasitic put, brain bugs. They finally put two and a half men down. I yeah. think so, yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah a couple been, years ago? I think last year was the last year. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Ashton Kutcher could only keep, yeah, it he float, keep it afloat for a couple oh, seasons. Oh, that's right. He was on, wasn't he? Yep. 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 It's okay. He's on the ranch now. <laughs> the way you said that. <laughs> oh man, it's pretty dickish. I wonder, did, did your friend Stephen stick with it? Do you know? I've not heard. Okay, he be- Stephen, write in. Actually, I haven't heard from him in a while. <laughs> <laughs> maybe he maybe he killed him. <laughs> <laughs> he's, still, he's still watching the ranch. <laughs> 
He wrote us to say this is terrible. That's that was his last his last breath. His dying silent. words. <laughs> Fuck the ranch. <laughs> Strikes down. All it's right. A handwritten email. <laughs> <laughs> it's a PDF. Yeah. Oh my god. Well, um, yeah, I don't know if there's much else to talk about. The Emmys did happen this weekend. Uh, there was some cool stuff that happened and other cool stuff that didn't happen. Who hosted? Uh, Jimmy Kimmel hosted. Did you watch it? I watched most of it, but I don't really remember any of it. <laughs> um, Rami Malek did win for Mr. Robot, which is kind of crazy because he was up in a ridiculous category. Let me let me read who was in the... Was it Game of Thrones the, is officially the highest or number of awards for a yeah. drama? Yep. That's and a, Julie Louise Dreyfus keeps like four years in a row. Yeah. 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 So outstanding le- uh, lead actor in a drama series. It was Rami Malek won against Kyle Chandler for Bloodline, Kevin Spacey for House of Cards, Leah Schreiber for Ray Donovan, Bob Odenkirk for Better Call Saul, and then Matthew Rees for The Americans. Wow. That's pretty crazy. And then uh, outstanding supporting actor in a drama series. Uh, nominees were John Voight for Ray Donovan, Jonathan Banks for Better Call Saul, Peter Dinklage for Game of Thrones, Kit Harrington for Game of Thrones, Michael Kelly for House of Cards, and the winner was Ben Mendelsohn for Bloodline. Thank you. So, yeah, pretty pretty awesome. I mean, it was it was pretty interesting. I don't think I watched it and thought that there was anybody that got like really screwed out of anything. So that's always a nice feeling for award shows. But as we all know, award shows are stupid anyway. Everybody check Frank Stallone's Twitter. <laughs> I didn't see. I didn't well, Sly didn't have any TV shows. Well, <laughs> he's still bad he about it. He checked it just to check it. Yeah. It's probably Pat, pretty good. Patton <laughs> Oswalt won for, um, let me see. He won for Outstanding Writing for a Variety Special, which is which was all the nominees were a bunch of um, like comedy Okay. Uh, comedy specials and Triumph's election special, of course. Oh but my God! Have you seen? Have you watched anybody? I no. Oh, it's good. <laughs> Do yourself a favor. <laughs> In these trying times, watch that Triumph and Salt Comedy Special. Uh, what was it on? Is it on? It's on Hulu. Hulu. Okay. Yep. He has an election special and he has a primary special, I believe. Beautiful. Too, so. I'm really glad Triumph has endured. Yeah. All these all these years. <laughs> he made it through. Yeah. Um, and then uh, yeah, so Patton Oswalt won for this this category, and he had this great picture of like. Pat uh, outside the Arby's, yeah, celebrating oh, yeah. after his after his <laughs> Emmy win, and it's just him outside of an Arby's with an Emmy on the table, and he's got his like tie undone on his on his uh, tuxedo, and he's got this big bottle of Jack or something yeah. resting on his leg. It's really good. It's a it's a beautiful shot. Um, but good for Pat. Yeah, and then um, uh, Wayne State University graduate Jeffrey Tambor won for outstanding lead actor in a comedy series. <laughs> And, uh, you may also know him from Arrested Development. <laughs> <laughs> Many other. He did not know that. Bodies of work. And then Wayne State University grad Lily Tomlin was up for an award. You got, you got win. Lily Tomlin too? Mm-hmm. I've got Central Michigan has um, Jeff Daniels. It's pretty good. Yeah. And then uh, Locke from Lost went there, but I think he technically graduated from Indiana University, <laughs> but I'm claiming him. <laughs> I, I don't know who went to OU. That's wonderful. Anybody go to OU? I don't know. Probably not. We should do this research and find out. But, uh, yeah, so the Emmys happened, and it was fun, <laughs> kind of. Peter Scolari was there. Did he go to Wayne State? I don't think, I don't <laughs> think so, maybe. But he was at the Emmys. <laughs> anyway, now that that's said and done, it's time for us to talk about Sam Raimi's Spider-Man 2. Okay. 
Another hometown hero. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, the IMDb synopsis says Peter Parker is beset with troubles in his failing personal life as he battles a brilliant scientist named Dr. Otto Octavius. Uh, the movie stars Tobey Maguire, Kirsten Dunst, James Franco, Alfred Molina, Rosemary Harris, J.K. Simmons, and many, many more people. Dylan Baker, to name another. And uh, yeah, Tim, Bernard. this is your yeah Bernard. Uh, Tim, this is your Key Frames pick. Yeah, for Key Frames series two. Mm-hmm. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit why this movie is special to you? Okay, uh, I felt weird about picking this movie because I'm sure everybody's seen it like at least ten times. Yeah, probably. Um, it but, does not matter. But it's it's been a terrible year for humanity. <laughs> like, honestly, it's been so bad. Mm-hmm. And this movie is just like, it's just so, so nice. Like, it, it's just, it, it practically, there are, there are probably one or two too many speeches given by people, like begging human beings to be nice people take responsibility for their actions and just be good and do your best <laughs> and it's a message that people could use um um it's a special it's a special movie to me um and we're all around the same age but mm-hmm. this is kind of i grown up really really loving the evil dead movies and the evil dead movies the evil dead movies and the kevin smith movies were kind of like my gateway drugs into like more kind of obscure like movies mm-hmm. um uh so those were kind of the movies that kind of like got got me hooked on other movies and i have always been a huge sam raimi fan like even it's just some directors or artists or musicians or um writers like you have like you just kind of are in sync with like you kind of get exactly what they're going for and that's always how i've been with like Sam Raimi movies, even like stuff that technically isn't very, that isn't his best stuff. Like, I'm like, I still like it because I, I like what he does with, I like what he does with the camera. I like his worldview. And things like, I just like, there isn't really, even in the uh, evil dead movies, there's not like, there's no real uh, like irony. Like a lot of it's so earnest. Like that's what these movies are. These first two Spider-Man movies, especially even the third one at times, it, um, they're just so earnest and nice. Um, and they're, yeah, there's not a, like a sarcastic or ironic bone in their body. And growing up watching the evil dead movies, you see him playing around Well, playing around. That's it. Um, he's just kind of, he's just kind of screwing around with the camera in the woods for the first two. And then army of darkness, he's just screwing around with a bigger budget. <laughs> um, but as you watch his career grow, uh, you start to see him grow a little more as a filmmaker too. And right before this, he started doing, um, he did a simple plan, um, which is really straightforward and also really, really good. And if you haven't seen simple plan, you should, because it's kind of him doing a Coen brothers movie in a way. Hmm. And it's really dark. Uh, but it's, it's just so good. Um, and then he did, I, I believe he did for the love of the game after that. Which is which is also a movie that might be a little. There, I think it's on the earnest level. It goes Springsteen and then like Bob Seger, <laughs> or no wait, Springsteen and then Bob Seger is higher. Like okay. there are some people who are like, wow, Bob Seger is like way too honest and like, um, and for love of the game is basically a Seger song. <laughs> <laughs> he even uses against the wind in it, and it might be a little too corny, um, 
But if you like Bob Seger, you'll probably like For Love of the Game because it's also about the Tigers and it also stars J.K. Simmons, which Bob Seger albums do, apparently. Um, then he did The Gift, which is good. Um, and he gets the best, maybe the best Keanu performance. Interesting. Period. Um, so you can kind of see he's doing more straightforward films up to this. And then he, he finally got his chance with Spider-Man. And it, this was around the time when I was kind of getting into the internet. Um, that sounds so funny to me. <laughs> Just getting into it. So when the internet came to... <laughs> the internet came to me and gave me all... It, it would really start to pay off years later. <laughs> um, that sounded weird. Uh, <laughs> but it was around that time, it was, it was kind of an exciting time for comic book movies because... Or nerd properties because you had Peter Jackson getting a shot and you had... Um, Guillermo was making Blade 2 and... Mm-hmm. Like, you had all these interesting, like, directors coming from, like, like nerd movies, basically. And um, it was just, when he finally got it, and I loved that first Spider-Man when I saw it. Like, loved it. Um, I still like it a lot. And then this one, when I finally sat down to watch it, this felt like a culmination of everything he had ever done. Um, and good and bad. Um, I'm not going to say there aren't some scenes that aren't a little bit too treacly and on the nose but i don't mind that um in this movie and it's just because i like it so much because it is so nice and um but just the whole thing he start. i mean there are scenes in it that you're like oh my god that's from evil dead uh, there are scenes that you're like oh my god that's from dark man um but he also he has also learned how to tell a story too mm-hmm. and you can tell i think with at least that those phase one Marvel movies, I think this is the movie that they use as a template um, because the first 30 minutes of this, there's barely any Spider-Man in it. It's all, it's all character-based stuff. And I think that's really, I think it's really kind of ballsy. So, um, especially for a sequel um, mm-hmm. to, to actually tell a story, um, especially around that time. So I just, that's why I picked it. And um, I, I, this is one of those movies where I follow the production from the beginning and it's just kind of, it's kind of an important moment for me. I went and saw it was. I think it might have even been one of my first like midnight movies. Like going to see it. Like yeah, yeah, as soon as you could. As soon as I could. So um, couldn't wait. And then I saw it again the same weekend. So um, it just I just love it. So. All right, Nick, what are your thoughts on Spider-Man Two? It is. Uh, it's excellent. Still holds up really really well. This is actually one of the. This movie came out in 2004. Mm-hmm. I was a senior in high school. Uh, I remember not having the internet at home. We had internet at school. And I remember using the computers at school to watch the trailer for this because it was so sweet. And I think, most like Tim was saying, we're mostly all around the same age. And we probably all grew up watching the Spider-Man cartoon mm-hmm. and probably reading a lot of the Spider-Man books in like the 90s and stuff. And Spider-Man was really one of those characters. It was It was him and the X-Men were like the ones that had been most available to us in our youth because like Iron Man wasn't cool back then Mm -hmm. and neither was Captain America really. These guys were around and like we knew them because our dads knew them probably and we we could pick up their stuff but it was there it was really only available at the comic shop. That was pretty you you if you wanted to know anything about Iron Man you had to go read comics and that was it. And uh, they all had middling to terrible cartoons but that's not the point but spider-man and x-men were like the ones and so naturally they were the ones that got adapted first because those only people knew and it was so exciting seeing these people come to life on the screen i will never forget 
seeing the first Spider-Man movie, and I will never forget seeing X-Men 2. Because X-Men 2, Nightcrawler was my favorite X-Men as a kid, and the opening sequence of X-2 was like, it was a good dream realized. It was insane to see that these characters could be translated to the big screen in such a successful way. Mm-hmm. And uh, the Spider-Man, both uh, the first and second Spider-Man movies are just such, they're such great adaptations of, of a character with so much history, and they're, they work so well as just movies. You don't need to know anything about Spider-Man to watch these movies and really enjoy them. I think that uh, I still really like Tobey Maguire a lot. I think people, some people at the time were kind of like, eh, and some people look back and like kind of laugh at him and his portrayal of Spider-Man, but I think it's really awesome. Uh, Spider-Man 2 was one of the first movies that I saw in theaters multiple times. I think I saw it three times, actually. Uh, this was before I was becoming, I think I was, I was, I was probably 18 when this came out. I don't remember, but it was before I was able to just like get in the car and go myself to with whoever to go see a movie like two, three, four times when it was in theaters. Uh, but the animation, I think, for the most part, all holds up really well. A lot of the action is really cool. The train fight in this movie remains like one of the all-time great superhero fight scenes. It's just so good. It doesn't go on too long. It's not too short. It's got a really awesome ending, and uh, just the action is really dynamic throughout. Uh, everybody in it's really good. Alfred Molina should always exist as a constant reminder that somebody can be cast really against type and be really good. Mm-hmm. He's really, he's really awesome in this movie and he doesn't have, he's, he still remains like one of the really good comic book movie villains, but he doesn't have, he really doesn't have that much screen time. Like he's, he's in it a pretty good amount, but not a ton, but he always does the most with what he can with, hum, with what time he has. And, well, he's just really well written in the first place. Because I think, like, as kind of Willie and I talked about, I think um, this portrayal of Octavius gives him more depth than you would typically see in the comics. Well, I think I don't. And I wouldn't attribute that much of it to the writing. I do agree, but I think it's a lot. Uh, I think most of the credit goes to Alfred Molina because the conversation between him and his wife and Peter is a lot of it is really clunky dialogue, but they mm. make it work. That's really, true. really well. Really and well. the other thing that I was going to say is that he plays it very earnestly, as as we talk about earnestness but it's he's just he feels like a real person he feels like a real person and he feels like a, a real person with a real passion for for science and for what he does like he he brings so much life into it and that 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 one like lunchtime or tea time scene between him and his wife and peter is one of my favorite parts of the movie because that they the two of them uh alfred molina and whoever plays his wife uh they have they just have such a great rapport and just in that one scene, you immediately understand this entire relationship, and that's awesome. It's mm-hmm. just awesome movie making. Uh, and Raimi, <laughs> looking back, like at the time when I saw this, I wasn't that familiar with Sam Raimi, and watching it now, uh, like really sitting down and watching it, it's so funny. Like what a Sam Raimi movie it is. Like it's really great. He has a lot of opportunity to just have fun, and it's nice to watch a movie like this at a time when directors were allowed to be themselves and make superhero movies instead of just making just a paint by numbers type story. <laughs> so that's uh it's refreshing to watch. It's fun to watch. And I think uh it should always probably exist in the consciousness of like really good superhero movies. I'm not sure, you know, a lot of a lot of people today that are really caught up in the Marvel fervor and everything. That's awesome, but definitely go back and watch, you know, the first two Spider-Man movies. They're great. They age much better than the X-Men movies do, but they were always better to begin with. Yeah. That's the interesting thing. I did look up some box office mojo uh, info, and I remember thinking, I I think between the two, I preferred X2 for a long time. 
uh, just because I like the X-Men more than I liked Spider-Man. Um, but Spider-Man 2 was just such a commercial hit. Like, it was the real, like... Spider-Man 1 and X-Men and Blade all kind of were like, hey, comic book movies could be a thing. And Spider-Man 2 was like, comic book movies could be really profitable. Because I'm sure, you know, all the merchandising and everything was probably great too. But, like, it made $700 million, which back then was a lot of movie, a lot of money. A lot of movie. A lot of movie. But $700 million in 2004 worldwide, that's that's a lot. And even, like, even uh, the domestic numbers, it made... 373 million dollars in the summer which is pretty insane still like by today's standards so um yeah that's crazy but willie what are your thoughts on spider-man 2 um so there's there's kind of three eras of comic book movies when i think of that genre overall there's kind of the early days um which i would say there was stuff pre this, but kind of kicked off with Donner's Superman and ran, I'd say, through to um, when the kind of second wave kicked in with Blade, Spider-Man, and X-Men. X-Men yeah. And then I'd say the third wave and our current wave we're in right now started off with Iron Man and Batman Begins. Yeah. And we've continued on. This is the pinnacle of that second wave of, of comic book movies. This is the, the top. This mm-hmm. is the best of that entire. And that's a lot of movies, really, when you think about it. You know, between your Daredevils and your all the X Men's and and where does Spawn fit in? <laughs> <laughs> Spawn would actually be the early Wave days. One, I yeah, would, it'd be right right before the because Bat- Batman and Robin is kind of the the end. end yeah, I think the yeah. end of Wave One. I really want opinion. you to chart this all out, by the way, because <laughs> I would say that Ghost Rider is in Wave Two, yes, even yeah. though chronologically it was it was it Go- was after Begins, I think. Ghost Rider One? No, Ghost Rider One is is in it's Wave o- Two. It's 06, right? Yeah, Batman Begins is oh eight. Ghost Rider is 2007. Batman Begins is 05, yeah. yeah. Dark Knight is 08. D- yep. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I, so maybe Bat- I'm thinking... I think you, you might be thinking Dark Knight and Iron Man. Because those I, were That's closer, what I'm thinking right? is maybe yeah. Dark Knight. Yeah. Well, Batman Begins, is, it's kind of hard. Because it, it still exists in that realm of those Phase 2 movies. But it really, like... It's it's, uh, it's on the at the end. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's on the end. And, and it's still also, being made alongside some real... Begins is probably the transition. I think, yeah. I think that's maybe the, the start of... Be- between begins like Spider-Man two and O four and begins in O five, I think is the signal of like holy crap, we can make real Which movies. Which is weird because they this. don't they don't feel only a year apart from each they other. They don't, and I, that's what I was thinking. I was like, I it's insane to me that Spider-Man two is only four years away from Iron Man because it feels like that's a world away. Like mm-hmm. that's yeah, that's true. But, but yeah, no, it's and that's the thing is like there there are standouts, um, and this one is this is I think the cream of the crop for that second wave. Oh yeah. Um, and I was similar. I think I used to put X-Men 2 a little bit. Those two were clearly the top in that, that era. And, and I think I always used to put X-Men 2 a little bit above this one just because of my kind of, I guess my, there's more characters. There's more, you know, Nightcrawler and there, you know what I mean? Like there's, it's so flashy and there's so much going on and there's so many big giant action scenes. And, and um, this movie's a lot, I still love this movie, but this movie was at the time, I do remember walking away going that the, this movie's fantastic, but there's a long time where we spend with just Peter Parker, mm-hmm. and I think back then I couldn't didn't quite appreciate that as much as I yeah. love this movie. I think there was a part of me that was like it was really good and I loved it, but you know, and now now I'm like no, this is a fantastic you know 
superhero I think film. And that, more so... I, fin- th- yeah, I think ahead. that same divide exists for Iron Man 3, even. Because everybody's oh, sure. like, so there's not enough Iron Man in it. But it's still a great movie. If is- I had been the age I was... If I had been 18 years old when Iron Man 3 came out, I'd probably be like, there's like no Iron Man in this movie. Yeah. Like, what are we doing? <laughs> um... So I think it's I think it it's one of those things where you appreciate different aspects of these things with age, and I don't want to sound like eighteen year olds are stupid or anything. There's plenty of things that I appreciated back then that I don't know, and I wish I did. So it is what it is. It's a give and take. But um, I think now looking back on this, I like I just like that it's it's a more than a Spider Man story. It's just a really good Peter Parker story. I think that's what's cool about it. And say what you will about Raimi's interpretation or Toby's interpretation of Peter Parker. Is it exactly like the comic books? No. But does it need to be? Peter Parker to me is one of those characters where you should have a, an interpretation of Peter Parker that as long as he remains true to the good spirit and the good nature of the character, you can make him a little different to kind of fit with the kids of that time period. I think that's good. I think that's important. There are reasons why we've seen so many iterations of Peter Parker in the comics and the cartoons and, and now in the movies. It's because he's a character that is malleable. He, you can change him and and... and um, he's one of the rare characters in comic books that grows with the reader, which, once again, some people complain about. I think it's great, um, but they were able to do some different things with the Ultimate Spider-Man series in the comics and make him young again and, and explore a different generation of youth through that. And I think we saw it with Amazing Spider-Man as well. I mean, I didn't understand a lot of that, so some of the stuff with with Andrew Garfield's character because I, I'm not that age right now, you know. So, but it's good because there's other people that can relate to that. So. Anyway, I, I, it still works really, really well. I think actually the special effects really... I was worried about that, but they, I think they hold up pretty well for the most part. Yeah. Um, Doc Ock is a great villain. Um, yeah, there's, there's moments when this movie can be corny and can be like... The dialogue can be a little on, 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 the, um, on the nose. And it can be a little earnest, but it's really nice, actually. It's kind of refreshing. Um, which is weird because it's not a new movie, <laughs> but it feels so refreshing to rewatch. Um, well, in a world where like all of our comic book movies end up f- having a lot of you know dour notes to them and mm-hmm. and trying to ground them and make them serious and all that kind of stuff, uh, you know, the lightheartedness of the Spider-Man, mm-hmm. I think, I, really. I appreciate like I appreciate modern day like comic book movies. Yeah, talk, using real world events and yeah. as inspiration and stuff. But sometimes you want to see a good guy punch a bad guy. Mm-hmm. And this is one of the best of those type of movies. So. Yeah. yeah, it is. And, and it's, um, another thing that's actually kind of nice too, is like now you go and see a comic book movie and this is going to be the way it is from now on because of what's going on with Marvel studios. And I love it. I think we all like it. I think we all enjoy it, but we're never going to be able to watch a mainstream comic book movie from this point forward and not have to have watched something that came before it to understand what the hell is going on. Yeah. Uh, I just watched Captain America Civil War and I kept that out of my, out of my what I've been watching because we kind of talked about it already and stuff. And I don't yeah. want to stay too long on this because we're talking about Spider-Man 2. But the one thing I, I finally felt when I sat down and watched that for the third or fourth time is I'm like, you could not. This is the first time I think in those Marvel Studios movies where there's no, you would have to watch what came before or you would be like, I have no clue what's going on. It'd be a mess. Um, so watching Spider-Man 2 and realizing that, Tim might argue this later, but realizing that this is a, a universe that only one superhero exists in. It's just <laughs> Spider-Man. It's just him. I'm glad that was, that was a long, that was a long <laughs> con right there. It finally paid off. 
Um, that it's just Spider-Man and that it's, it's, it, this is a universe where there's just this kid who was in the right place at the right time or the wrong place at the wrong time, whatever. And he threw on some pajamas and he kicks robbers and supervillains butts. That's, that's it. That's, there's no aliens up in space that are yeah. showing up after the credits or every movie to remind you that they're coming. There's no people, recognizable people walking in and out of frame and being like, Hey, remember me? You know, there's none of that. It's, it's, and it's it's really nice to watch a movie and just it's just it's its own story. There's it, no like that's very interesting to be reminded that yeah I feel like there's definitely stakes in this movie and yet it's not like we don't even get the sense that they don't even try to say that oh Doc Ock is going to destroy the entire planet or the entire city if if this thing gets out you you kind of get implications of that but it's never like. Peter's not doing it for that. He's doing it to save Mary Jane. Sure, and, 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 and yeah, they, they they say that you know people are going to die if, if this thing yeah. if this thing does what it does, and and obviously that's part of it. But the driving force is it's that's the girl he loves. He just wants to, he wants to save her. Yeah, and really, actually, in a, he wants to save Doc Ock. Yeah, I mean that's that's maybe priority number two, but he still wants to save Doc Ock. You know, um, he's I love the, wait. That's another thing we don't see anymore. I feel like is the redemption of the villain. We yeah. don't see that anymore. How many like face turns from? Super- I mean, I feel like this happened a few times in older superhero movies where they, they realize the error of their ways, and at mm-hmm. the last minute they kind of, you know, help the hero save the day. But that doesn't happen anymore. It's usually like, oh, he's dead. Move on to the next one. You know. So yeah. I don't know. It's nice. It's. I think that maybe more. God, he even gives it to Norman in part one a little bit. Yeah, at, at the, the very end. very end. At the very very yeah. end, it's a really sweet moment. Where yeah, he's, don't tell Harry. Yeah, like, I love and that. It just goes, <laughs> it's, it's um, it's it's yeah, it's really kind of sweet. But it, I don't know. You know, it's is is this the perfect interpretation? Is this perfect adaptation? I should say, of Spider Man from the comic. No, but it doesn't. It shouldn't be. Well, it's I, a I Sam would, Raimi's. I, well, I would Spider-Man. I would argue your words there because I would say it is a perfect adaptation of it. Is it a perfect representation of comic book Spider Man? No. Well, that's what I'm trying to yeah, say. Yeah, that's, yeah. It's, it's, this is it's not a this is not thing. pulled from the page and yeah. dumped on the screen verbatim. You know, I, but that's a good thing. I think it it should. This is an example of um, a director who's able to put so much of himself into the movie that it feels like equal parts a Spider-Man movie and part of a franchise, and it also feels like a Sam Raimi movie. Yeah. Um, and even Spider-Man One doesn't quite get that because I think. To be honest, they gave Sam Raimi a huge budget to make this movie, and they—they—I um, think there were elements where they wanted to stick to kind of the the Batman '89 thing. I think Danny Elfman actually has something to do with that. To be honest with you, but I—I I think that there was some hesitation. And I think with two, they gave him the freedom that, mm-hmm. yeah. So no, it's cool. It's it's very nice. I enjoyed it a lot. All right. Yeah, it's been a while since I sat down and watched these movies. I watched Spider-Man One yesterday, and we all watched Spider-Man Two today, and um. Spider-Man 2, to me, is still the best Spider-Man movie. And who knows if that's going to reign true with next year's Spider-Man Homecoming uh, in the wings, but um, in the web. Um, but The Andrew Webb? <laughs> no. Mark What's his Webb. name? Mark Webb. Yeah. You combine it. Oh, I combine Andrew Garfield and Mark Webb. <laughs> <laughs> Into one being. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean... This movie is right around that age where I would have begun, very similar to The Life Aquatic and everything. It's right around that time where I would have started to pay more attention to movies. And so this kind of being that first real huge 
superhero hit in that time frame of my life. Uh, you know, this mo- and this is kind of when I came down to that rule of if a movie makes me feel like I want to be that superhero, then I feel like it's done a great job. And uh, and you know, while there is a lot of difficult stuff that peter goes through in this movie i think in the end of it you're just kind of like well peter can do all this he can do it and he's spider-man and he's gonna do it and i think uh that's that's a pretty awesome message and i think it's very carefully and coolly depicted throughout the entire movie and um you know it's (laughs) there's none of these marvel movies is like peter gonna pay the rent is that ever a question in like any of this stuff and so i think that that's kind of that was an interesting dynamic to bring in. And, and Spider-Man was kind of the right hero to do it with, too, because that's kind of, you know, his juggling of life and hero is one of the main focal points for him as opposed to a lot of the other heroes that we're looking at today. Um, but, yeah, I don't know how much more that I have to really say about this. It's it's just, it's so good. The casting, in a lot of ways, I I, I think I've probably shat on Tobey Maguire on a few different occasions on this podcast, but he still is a really good Peter Parker. Um, he never quite feels like the like the. That's what I was gonna say was that in Spider Man One, it feels like Sam Raimi went to a version of high school that we missed, like with the oh Flash is the jock and blah 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 blah. But that's what Spider Man is rooted in. So. Yeah. So he kind of portrays that well, even if it doesn't feel like accurate to real life for for me, at least. He's definitely going in all of the movies, even three. I'll throw in there. He's going for some a heightened like comic book reality of yeah. like real life because there's a lot of that. It's funny because there are parts in this. Uh, well, a couple of parts he lifted from the comic books, like when he throws the um, the costume in the trash that's yeah. from a cover and walks away. But um. There are parts of it, like I, I think of the scene at the end with the web, with him and Mary Jane. I'm like, oh my god, it looks like a splash page on a comic book. Yeah. Like, and like a year before, like Ang Lee had tried to do that with Hulk, and he started throwing comic book panels in, <laughs> and I'm like, oh, you're that's, oh, that's a, so good. <laughs> you are <laughs> you are literally trying to make it a comic book when like this is how you do it. Sam this is, is how you make a yeah. comic book on screen. You kind of you, you heighten things. I mean. J. Jonah Jameson's a cartoon character. Oh my god! But he's so good. Yeah. <laughs> so and there, are, there's a lot of that in this movie, and um, that's that's part of the reason I really like it because it's goofy at times, but it embraces. I mean, it knows it's being goofy. Mm-hmm. So, um, and yeah, there are things, there are parts of it where he flat out reminds you you're watching. There's the part where he sc- or J. Jonah screams towards the heavens, or yeah. towards the open window, and a newspaper flies at the screen. Mm-hmm. And it's Spider-Man so, flies through that. Flies through <laughs> the newspaper, and it's and you, you go back and watch Ray movies. He does that all the time. And um, just watching him work that style into a giant superhero movie is so much fun. Yeah, and, and, and it totally works very well mm-hmm. for, for Spider-Man in particular. Um and I did want to remark on the rest of the cast. And like, everybody feels great. Really, the only person that I'm kind of like Matt on is James Franco. Mm-hmm. But even James Franco, I feel like, probably gave a great audition and then just like phoned it in the rest of the way or something like that. I don't really know. I think he was. I think he's pretty awesome in it. I, 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 <laughs> I just don't really feel like he's there most of the time or he's acting in a different movie than most people are. I think, I think he was stretching his soap opera wings a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> And, and maybe that's it. But even like like Rosemary Harris to me is perfect Aunt May. She will be like people talk about who's their Batman. Rosemary Harris is my Aunt May. Because 
<laughs> she's just perfect. And even Cliff Robertson, who, you know, yeah. is in this movie for one scene, he's a fantastic Uncle Ben. And even though Martin Sheen and Sally Field yeah, kind of like bring their own too. thing to it, and I do like them a lot, mm-hmm. Cliff Robertson and Rosemary Harris are just, they will always be the people that I think of when I think of those characters. Marissa Tomei brings something to it. <laughs> <laughs> but no, and then J. Jonah Jameson. Yeah. I mean, oh. I mean, no, the casting, because... I'm guessing movie these both these movies are uh, three. I, I keep lumping out or getting rid of three, but three Sandman's a pretty good casting choice too. Thomas Hayden Church is pretty good Sandman, but I mean the fact that he gets kind of overshadowed by Topher Grace, I think. But <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, well, Franco was not a star going to this. He had been on Freaks and Geeks, yeah. and Tobey Maguire was Tobey Maguire because this was seen as kind of like a Michael Keaton style move at the time. Like I think he had just got done with like the cider house rules yeah. or something. And then he all of a sudden, but there's a lot of, I mean, he started, you can tell he starts casting, I mean, friends of his in the movie. He's casting, I mean, Jake Simmons has been in movies with him before. And, uh, Bruce Campbell shows up. And, well, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's just Elizabeth Banks is in this movie. Yeah. Um, uh, I don't know necessarily know if this movie gets enough credit for how well cast it is. Yeah. It's, it's insane. Yeah. Like, it, like, just J.K. Simmons as J. Jonah Jameson alone mm-hmm. is insanity. Mm-hmm. It's perfect. Like he must. I feel like J. Jonah Jameson must have known one day that he's gonna. Pl- or excuse me, that J.K. Simmons knew one. You day. can't even. T- yeah, you can't even. They're just the same in my in my brain. So that that's amazing. Even Willem Dafoe as. Oh my god! Yeah. As uh, Norman Osborn, I think is a fantastic choice. Which is. Uh, to get those kinds of names this early in the superhero, like the modern superhero movement, I think is pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. And and you know, Sony's problem was never casting. Yeah, because even in the Amazing Spider-Man, they're pretty well cast. Um, maybe Jamie Foxx's Electro is a bit of a well, yeah, and whatever, <laughs> but bit of a miss. But I like the cast. Yeah, that's true. That's yeah. very true. That's very true. But yeah. Uh, do we need to go into spoiler Terry? We can just start talking openly if there's other right. things that we want to discuss here. I know we want to talk about the Punisher's appearance in the film. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's important. Yeah. <laughs> and where could this film have gone differently if there was a different Spider-Man 3? I'm talking Man-Wolf mm-hmm. right now. <laughs> Obviously. Yeah, we should talk about what came after at some point. Yeah, Yeah, that's true. So, um, yeah. The Punisher. The Punisher is in this movie. <laughs> There's no argument. No, this is so... I'm so mad. Superhero hype. You've mentioned this before on this podcast. Yeah. I know. I know. Superhero hype got rid of their... Like, their archives don't go far back enough. Because <laughs> that, that, that was back when it was Spider-Man hype. Spider-Man hype. It yep. wasn't even superhero hype yet. Yeah. Oh, God. Because Spider-Man was that first big one. And um, there was so... There were so many threads following this movie. Like, that weekend after of, like, did you guys see the Punisher cameo? Yeah. That was Punisher, wasn't it? That was Tom Jane's Punisher. <laughs> he made his way up from Tampa to, <laughs> to New York City to be because as Mary Jane leaves um, Jonah Jameson's son, Manwolf, and as he leaves, <laughs> as she leaves the altar and runs through all happily, um, a guy in just a black shirt who kind of looks like Tom Jane stares directly at the camera, like looks yeah. at her. And he well, does, and you could see in a world where people were probably freeze framing DVDs yes. on a CRT TV, as we right. spoke about earlier, it probably could totally be Tom Jane. Right. And a lot of it was after that first weekend where like you're seeing it on a screen. Yeah. And, and like, then you're like thinking about it afterwards and, and, and you're like totally convince yourself that it is. Mm-hmm. But. And the movie does I make a couple fun 
in reference because this is back in the time we we're pretty desperate for anything yeah. around that time and it makes like, a couple fun in jokes and like it's, a, it's such a quaint time where like yeah. when you hear the name dr strange and we go ah! <laughs> <laughs> and now you're just like oh yeah he'll probably fucking show up in two minutes <laughs> great um <laughs> but back then you know you get a couple better crumbs you could get yeah like tom jane punisher um but yeah bad wolf um yeah, John so Jameson. We, John Jameson in the comics, his son, uh, Jonah Jameson's son, John Jameson turns into Man Wolf. Yeah, after after going to space, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And and at the time, also he brings back the symbiote. Mm-hmm. Well, or that's least, that's not in the comics. That's uh, in the cartoon. Okay, yeah. okay. But a lot of people apologies. thought that that's what the route they were taking. Well, it feel it feels like it, things are organized in a way where that could logically follow, even for like a Spider-Man Four, which right happily doesn't. Or happily or unhappily, doesn't have a, uh, a vulture portrayed by John Malkovich in it. If you guys remember those days, I do. Yep. I do. But do you got okay? Do you guys remember the first reveal of that of the black spider suit and people being like, "I don't know, this shot could be black and white, or is it?" Yeah. I don't, oh like, yeah. What, uh, and that was like, man, what a what a the, time on the internet. The black spider suit was about the first red flag for me. Yeah, because I just went, uh oh, they kind of just painted it black. Yeah, because <laughs> like, that, that black spider suit in the comics is amazing. It's so cool, mm-hmm. and I just don't think Raimi cared about that. Era no, at all. he really didn't. He, I don't That's all he, he ever it. said. Yeah, he, yeah, he knew that going in. It's yeah. like giving, yeah. Um, so I just don't think he cared it, but yeah, that was the first like when they released that shot. I'm like, okay, well, I mean, with the costumes, a costume, who cares? And then I think it got to be one of those things where Spider-Man one, as we said, did well, and then they were like, oh, Raimi, do your thing. And then after that, they were like, oh my god, this is the most popular comic book movie ever. Yeah, let's put our hands back in. Please do Venom, mm-hmm. and that's kind of how those things shook out. Well, and, and I think part of the that. I'm not saying this negatively. Part of the corniness and some of the silly dialogue and stuff, the very, the very, like the very earnest stuff, is coming from Sam Raimi's love of the '60s Stan Lee Spider-Man comics. Yeah. That's the stuff that he loves, and so Venom is like the antithesis of what he mm-hmm. was interested in doing. Like he wanted to do Sandman and Vulture and Mysterio and all that stuff that you know that, yeah. if done wrong, could be pretty cheesy. But you know, I don't know. It, it's it's a bummer that we didn't get to see <clears throat> see him continue it the way he wanted to, mm-hmm. you know, because I think it would have been a very different Spider-Man three. But I don't know. For me, that the sense of Spider-Man two anyway. I just pretend the other one is. I do want to mention something though, real quick too. Yeah. Um, because we talked about how the after credit scene because this movie kind of has that lead that allude. Yeah, but like it doesn't. The the Harry scene finding the Green Goblin stuff. Mm-hmm. In today's climate, would have taken place. Would have been put at the end of the credits, it would right? Put at the end of the credits. But this movie finds a way. I wanted to make mention of this movie on a storytelling level because the third act of this movie, I think, should be used as a template for how to tell a story in these types of movies. Because every character, every main character, has something on the line in the, in the third act of this movie, and every character has an arc. And what makes the end of this movie leading into a third movie? work better than just having I don't know a random person show up or find something in the woods or the desert is like it it's a logical progression for Harry to find his father's yeah. stuff and go oh my god he's gonna be the great goblin in the next movie like it makes sense and as a capper to his arc it's kind of 
impressive in its simplicity. And we don't get a lot of that anymore. That's true. So, yeah, and I don't. I mean, I, it's been so long since I've watched Spider-Man Three that I don't really remember how I felt about the Harry Green Goblin. Like, was it? How how do you? Where do you guys land on that right now? You know, gauging off of your. I like Three, but it's not a good movie. Yeah, and and I think we've talked about mm-hmm. that a lot. But even like the idea of is uh, the stuff that you would like from Three. And like, are we removing Venom from that, and we think it's mostly okay? Are or, you are you asking what would be? How do you fix three? Yeah, like if you were in the editing room, you can't shoot anything else. How would you fix three? It's not. That's not fixable. Yeah, yeah. I hate to say it, but because okay. yeah, because most of the most of the big flaws, like everybody points out, like the dance scenes, but most of the big flaws are like on a storytelling level like mm-hmm. it's just really really bizarre conveniences that yeah. happen like there's one part it's awful where Sandman and Venom just meet each other in an alleyway and they're like let's kill Spider-Man <laughs> which is not the motivation for no. that for the Sandman character by that point no. like it makes no sense well and I guess that's that was the first like big example of total villain overcrowding that's mm-hmm. what people talked about when oh we're gonna have a Spider-Man 3 on our hands like that was yeah that's true so, so I guess that's that's where that comes from. But and I think sometimes with that, it's not so much about the number of villains you have in your movie. Um, I think it's more about finding villains that organically can work together in a single in one story. Yeah. And I don't think Sandman, Sandman and Venom. You're like what? Like how do those two? Yeah. You know what I'm just saying? Fight each other. Right. Exactly. But you know, if now if it was I don't know Sandman and and Rhino, maybe there would well, be... Well, Vulture st- was the original plan. I Sandman thought. and Vulture, yeah, you yeah. could have a story there. Like, I can see those two having some sort of cohesive thing going yeah. on. But, it's, yeah, it, you have to... You could probably find a way to work in Goblin into that, too. Yeah. yeah. It's kind of like the head of that, yeah. Exactly. There's ways I think they could have done it. I think the biggest problem is, is force-feeding the Venom thing in there. Yeah. I even think that having the black costume in there would have been acceptable... Would have, would have been acceptable. I just think cramming Venom in that last, what, 15 minutes or so is so like yeah. random and just unnecessary. And I think that the portrayal of the black, like him with being affected by the symbiote, is, is, it's not very good. Yeah. I, it's, it's, I like, think, yeah. yeah. I think if you go back, are you going to watch three? I don't know. Probably okay. not, not anytime soon. Okay. I would like to. Because I think if you go through, because from what I remember, um, it's been a while since I watched it, but anytime I watch it, like you're going along and there's some weird things that happen and you're like, this is kind of silly, this is kind of stupid, but for the most part, you're still kind of into it. You're like, it's okay. And then it's, yeah, I think it's around that time where Venom and Sam and me, and you're like, this is completely off the rails now. Like, okay. I, yeah. what? Like, why are we doing this? So. Yeah. And I, I remember there's a weird newscast, like it cuts like a newscast and it's mm-hmm. like, can Spider-Man save? Like, they're like setting up the final fight for <laughs> it. Like, I know what's going on. I don't need, <laughs> it's, it's really weird. Yep. Yeah. So it, it kind of builds to this crescendo of like, ah, this isn't good. I can't, I can't do it. And then Bernard. And then, but yeah, Bernard is, a, but Bernard comes at about that same moment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We're like, Ugh. Yeah. Cause he's like, the, the, the newscast is on TV and he's like, he's like, you help him. He didn't kill your dad. <laughs> and you're just like, you're the worst. <laughs> Bernard, you Bernard, the butler. You've not been doing your job <laughs> of helping me in life. The, he's the world's worst Alfred. Yes. <laughs> Definitely. Oh man! And that's why Harry turns out to be Harry, and Batman turns out to be Batman. Mm-hmm. It's true. It's I do true. like it in this all, movie. It's all the it's butler. All the butler yeah. <laughs> it's all about what kind of butler you grow up yeah. with. <laughs> I do like. I but I've always liked, even in the comics. And this lightens up Doc Ock quite a bit. 
it makes him much more sympathetic than the comics do. But I do like the parallel storylines between uh, Peter Parker and Otto Octavius. And yeah. I always have. And I always, Doc Ock has always represented like, here's what would happen. And uh, Dan Slott, Superior Spider-Man, nails this. Um, but here's what would happen if, it's basically here's what would happen if Otto Octavius got Spider-Man's powers. And like, here's what would happen if Peter Parker decided to use these powers and just be a dick. And Otto's kind of like that and he gets overcome with power and he he loses someone and they use the inhibitor chip too but I think I mean I think the theme is still there the whole time yeah where he's and he's arrogant too and arrogance plays a lot into that and um I just I really like that um that dinner scene because it kind of foreshadows what him and Mary Jane could become at some point yeah. and I think that's really great and it also gives him kind of it gives him kind of a home life that he never had to between two. Mm-hmm. And it probably gives, I think it's a great scene. Um, cause it gives them kind of like, a, this would be kind of our son. Yeah. Um, if we had one. So I think it's a really sweet scene. And I think those scenes are what make the movie for me. So you do not want to be a Peter Parker father figure in these films. <laughs> cause you will die. <laughs> it will happen. It's true. Or it'll be recast. If you're Kirk Connors, <laughs> <laughs> that could happen do you, too. Do you, well, yeah, first of all, pour one out for Kirk Connors, uh, Dylan Baker. <laughs> Always oh, kind of a bummer. That that yeah. seemed like the natural and, place to go. And at that, you know, uh, Wolfman as well. Man, Man yes. Wolf. Man Wolf. Pour one what if, both what if Spider-Man 3 had gone, been super edgy, and it was like Spider-Man Reign, and the, the Doc Ock arms oh, God. Were, were fine, but like the, the decaying corpse Have you ever read this? was just attached to the I don't arm, think the I've ever read this. I'm going to let you borrow it, because you'll yeah. be like, That's oh, That's fucking shit. terrifying. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's sweet. It's basically, Jeez. I don't want to talk too much about it, but it's basically Dark Knight Returns, but for Spider-Man. Who wrote it? Um, Kari Andrews. Okay. Okay. Dude. Oh, I've seen, I've seen the artwork. <laughs> anyway, yeah, the, the Spider-Man's an old man in it, but the decaying, actually it's pretty much a skeleton of Otto Octavius is just, the arms are just roaming around still and the, and the skeleton's just hanging from it. <laughs> but they're still, they speak through the AI, like they still yeah. have his consciousness. So wow. it's just a husk of, uh, it's so gross. <laughs> it's mostly, yeah, it's awesome. It's awesome. <laughs> I was actually um, thinking at the end of the movie when when they show that shot of him like underwater and all yeah. that, and you see the lights go out on the arms. I'm like, shouldn't the arms be fine? Don't they have their own AI? Like, <laughs> what's to stop them from just grabbing on and coming back up? Like, no, we're not well, done here. True. Well, that was the other rumor. It's like we were getting Sinister Six. And, yep. And Doc Ock was not dead because Doc Ock's not dead at the end of this movie. He's still nice. fine. He's still alive. Do you guys remember hearing any rumors? It was something that I saw. Science, science squid. Yes. Underwater. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember how uh, how prevalent this rumor was, but the idea that uh, Bruce uh, Campbell would eventually be Mysterio. Mysterio. It was huge. Well, he was in the video game. He did yeah, the voice of yep. Mysterio in the video game. Yeah. yeah. He would have been a killer Mysterio. But I, I've always really wanted to see Mysterio on the screen. Yeah. Yeah, I, that's I one of those like ones I feel like be, could be super It'd be really cool. cartoony, Everyone but does, it'd be a lot but we don't know why. Like, yeah. Do we really want to see Mysterio on screen? Like, we do, we think we do, and it would probably be It great. would be really tough to pull but off. Exactly. Was, yeah. Like, objectively, it would probably be terrible, but we'd probably all really like it. Do you think there's, like a, like, a conceptual artist that's, like, been down in a room for, like, years now trying to find the perfect look for Mysterio? Probably, yeah. Like, that he just hasn't cracked <laughs> There's it one dude at Sony. He's trying really hard. We should peel through those Sony emails and find the one guy that's like, I'm still working <laughs> on it. <laughs> Mysterio I can't make this artist. work. Project M is still going. <laughs> Honestly, M. just fuck it. Give him the green, the green what suit, the purple cape, and the fish smoke fishbowl. Yeah, like I was just thinking, I was, I just came up with a great idea for the Mysterio mask of like having two fishbowls, one and another, one that gets filled with smoke. That'd be fine. It works perfect. Print it. Go. Let's go. <laughs> Let's make this movie. 
I think in uh, in the Wes Anderson Spider Man that we did not get to make because we're not in Hollywood. Uh, I think uh, Luke Wilson was Mysterio. <laughs> Beautiful. That's wonderful. I know my dream Spider Man three after this movie was um, Craven, yep. Lizard, and Green Goblin two. Because my my thought was that you know the lizard would show up because he mm-hmm. does what he does. And then Craven would arrive in town, like, because he's like, I want to hunt this lizard. Like, mm-hmm. I'm going to get this guy. And then he, he'd meet Spider Man and be like, I want to hunt that, too. <laughs> yeah. And then you'd have, you know, Harry at the same time kind of like antagonizing and stuff. Maybe not full costume, but like, like starting to. And then at the end, he would come and help Spider Man fight Spider-Man, the two of them. Yeah. yeah. That was my idea. After Bernard's revelation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, where would Bernard play? <laughs> Bernard, it would turn out after credit sequence. Uh, Nick Fury would show up <laughs> and he'd be like, we know who you are, Bernard. We know you're the tinkerer. I know who you are too, Nick Fury. And they you just, didn't really kill that guy from the Avengers that I can't remember the name of. Coulson. Coulson. Yeah. Yeah. He's alive. Yeah. He's on ABC. <laughs> <laughs> Bernard just finds everything out from TV shows he watches and yeah. newscasts. Yeah. Oh boy! And then it would turn out he'd puff into smoke, and he'd be Mysterio. Bernard, yeah, Bernard was long conning everybody. Oh, the Beautiful. man behind the curtain. Beautiful, mm-hmm. Bernard. Yeah, I'm down. All right. Any other final thoughts on Spider-Man? Uh, qu- yeah, quick trivia. Okay. For you, um, Spider-Man actually has a hyphen. In yes. It, so it's Spider-Man, not Spider-Man. Spider-Man. Everybody on the internet to know that because yeah. Spider-Man. Fifty percent of the people don't. For some reason, I only remember that when I'm going to search for the movie title because <laughs> I'm like, "Oh yeah, that's right." There's a hyphen in these. Um, there's also a hyphen in Man Wolf. I'm pretty sure <laughs> that's good. There was some really about, and Man Spider as well, right? Probably. Yeah. Yep. Uh, there's some really silly IMDb trivia that I'm trying to remember here, but one of them maybe crack up, and it was they used three different 2004 Saturn Ions. And throwing through the car <laughs> and the window seat. And then it made sure to go out of the way. This must have been written by an employee of Saturn because they go, Director Sam Raimi was said to be very impressed by the vehicle's durability. <laughs> <laughs> oh my, God. my wife drove a 2004 Saturn Ion. Greg had an Ion too. Yeah. So maybe, hey, good. Uh, product placement works. Um, and then the other one I remember was I remember for the longest time Liam Neeson was going to be cast as Doc Ock, was the big rumor. Yeah, and he probably went pretty good. But then there were some other rumors on there, and one of them was, um, crap, the guy who Chris Cooper mm-hmm. was rumored. Um, another Future one was Norman Osborn. Oh yeah, he played Norman Osborn in the Amazing Spider-Man. Yep. Yeah. Right. yep. Um, another one was Liev Schreiber. Hmm. Uh, Michael Chapin, who is a he, he's a writer. He wrote like the Amazing Adventures of Cavalier and Clay. He did an early screenplay for this, and they may have kept quite a bit of it in, but. Avia Rad rejected it because he didn't want another love triangle, which is exactly what we got. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but he wrote a script, and Doc Ock was originally younger in his screenplay, and he had a crush on Mary Jane. Like he had a thing for Mary Jane. He was uh, like Peter Parker age, or yeah, like Peter Parker, Peter Parker and Mary Jane's age. Uh, but then, yeah, I didn't. I I've never read it. Um, I think it's floating out there, and apparently. Someone says that there's like a three-page scene where like Aunt May kills a fly. <laughs> like it's, they're like it just goes on and on, and you're like you can tell this guy's a novelist, uh, but I really want to read it. And then the last person I had to bring up that was a casting error was David Duchovny for Doc Ock. Oh yes, please. Where's that movie? Duchovny from Mysterio. 
Oh. Mm-hmm. Oh my god. <laughs> the company for Craven. <laughs> I'll read. Let me read read this uh, this verbatim from IMDb. Chris Cooper was considered for the role of Doctor Octopus. He's later cast as Norman Osborn in the Amazing Spider-Man Two, which has the same numeral in its title. <laughs> Conspiracy? <laughs> Illuminati. <laughs> All right. Well. Brought to you by Saturn. <laughs> it's been a good discussion of Spider-Man 2. Yeah. Feedback at MidwestFilmers.com. Let us know what you thought of Spider-Man 2 or the other stuff that we talked about. We're also at MFN Podcast on Instagram and Twitter. MidwestFilmers.com has all that stuff that I always say. Next week, it's either Nick's or my pick. We'll do it. You're going to do it. Do you yep. know what you're picking? <clears throat> nope. Okay. I got it narrowed down to three. All right. Ooh. So keep an added eye out. Added one? You haven't narrowed it down. You've actually added one <laughs> since the last time we talked. What did I say two last time? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. So we will. He's uh, widened out to three. Yes. I've expanded my search <laughs> and yet narrowed it down. I mean, I had it to like eight the other day. So I've re-narrowed it down. That's good. To three. All right. Well, we will we will announce on Facebook so you guys can watch the movie as well. Blade but. 2 is not among them. Damn. Neither is Soldier or Dog Blade Soldiers. 2 is the universe's key frame. Yes. Yeah, everyone should see it. So true. It's important to all of us. <laughs> it's important to humans. All right, Kyle XY. Go watch it. Now Norman's a billionaire scientist Who never had time for his son But then something went screwy And before you knew he was trying to kill everyone And he's right